Hello and welcome back to Functional Spirituality. My name is Ava Arani, if this is the first time we're meeting. And you may have listened to meditations on the podcast before, but I also use this space to offer sometimes some trainings and some ideas and thoughts and life updates. And today I want to share a story of a really meaningful breakthrough that I had either just last week or the week before. Um, But of course, everything just bleeds together. All the breakthroughs are intertwined with each other. But I have had a pretty significant few weeks. So last week I had an iron infusion. I actually had an iron infusion four weeks prior, but I only had like one bag and they can give you two vials. So the first time I had one, it was all good, no side effects. And the second one, I got some side effects. But I have already started to feel more energy and I had pretty much zero iron. Um, Although I do recall having a blood test two years ago and them also saying that I have zero iron. And I just did nothing about it, you know, took a few pills. um, But I was going through so much at the time. I had just had a big um, kind of episode of PTSD and like trauma surfacing and was in a huge process. I was actually at the doctor to get a mental care plan so I could go see a counselor or a psychologist. And they did a blood test and I just couldn't reconcile the idea of having like an IV drip for two hours or something they had said at the time, which it isn't that long and it is definitely not that bad. Um, So I just left it. And for the past two years, I have been absolutely exhausted, like barely any energy. Um, And yet, you know, I do kind of do so much and accomplish so much. So have been really running on zero. Um, So that has been hard, um, but I'm looking forward to having more energy and already feel more energy, which has been great um, because it can be really hard to deal with your healing journey, but also even just the day-to-day of life when you don't have energy. And I was getting, and I still have, shortness of breath, um, and like a lot of fatigue and yeah, it's been hard slowly building myself back up on the physical front. Um, but I want to share a story about something that's been going on for me more on the psychological front, this breakthrough that I had. And it actually stems from, for the past few months, I've been having a lot of emotions that have been heavy, um, I do get heavy emotions a lot in general, much less do I get like anxiety, but I get a lot of heavy emotions of more from the depression side. And I have been having this really heavy, guilty, shameful, really the word is just guilt kind of feeling like a real heaviness in my gut. And it's just kind of coming from my emotions. And it doesn't really matter what the kind of mental content is that I have. I just have been feeling this kind of heaviness. And I've, of course, dug deep so many times. 
um, discovered so many things. So, which is amazing, you know, as these, um, uncomfortable and difficult situations and feelings arise, um, I'm definitely one to take that opportunity to turn inward and to explore where is it coming from. And where is it coming from? Obviously, just from me feeling and inquiring on a personal level without, you know, getting any outside help or outside perspective or outside um, education is, you know, just obviously one part of the piece of work that we need to do. But I often think that it's not in any individual uncovering of, you know, some amazing beliefs that I uncover or limitations that I see or trauma that I find or memories that I have. I don't think it's actually in any individual uncovering that the value of introspection is. I think the value of that introspection and digging in and where does this come from and like feeling and meditating and breathing and all of that, I think the benefit is actually just the increase in my everyday capacity to be in touch with myself. So, you know, when things are hazy and when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I sit and actually give myself that time, like while it's stormy, going in and trying to find clarity and trying to hold a thread and trying to hold objectivity and holding love and presence and just cultivating such a rich relationship to my inner space. Yes, that can, you know, yield some transformative effects, but I actually believe that that filters into my daily life where I'm just more in touch with when I'm with people, when I'm with myself, you know, every single moment of the day, even if I'm alone at home, I'm, I'm in communication with something and someone or myself. And I have the capacity every day increasing slowly, slowly every single day to just be aware of how I feel. And this is the center of all valuable communication, all valuable healing is is it meaningful and relevant for me? Like that's what makes it functional is if it actually is not just something that we're practicing, but being able to communicate and feel the relevance, um, the alignment with, with ourselves. So I've been trying to unpack this like guilty emotion and heaviness and Actually, just a few weekends ago, I um, I unpacked heaps of it with Jared. We went down south for the weekend, and then I have him for hours in the car to like bounce my therapy off of because he's so much cheaper than my therapist. And it was so great, you know, just a space for me to unpack. And um, it's not always natural for him. It's not always natural for other people to to listen in the exact way that I need. So, you know, I always let him know this is how I want to be listened to or, you know, are you up for um, this kind of conversation? And I have some things I would love to get off my chest. He's always so keen for that, but he also it's good to just set people up with um, the best chances of holding space for you in the way that you want and not leaving it up to chance or a random... <laughs> um, idea that they need to know how you feel when you haven't even connected to it. So 
let I let him know. And by the end, he was just like, this is a lot. Um, I didn't realize that he's like, you've been going for like two hours. So just unwinding so much. Um, but there was just so much in there because we went away for a weekend and it took me, I could see myself taking 24 hours to unwind from the week behind me and from being in the city and, you know, being at home, being at work, probably working for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks without a really significant unplug. Um, I usually take, you know, Sundays entirely off. I sometimes have Saturdays and Fridays entirely off as well. Um, sometimes I take Mondays entirely off. So I obviously have breaks, um, and breaks in the days as well, but it really took me time to unwind. And I had this, you know, heaviness in the pit of my stomach. So he helped me unpack a lot of it, but I took it to my therapist on, you know, in, in the following Tuesday And this is that same therapist that I went to get my mental care plan for, um, you know, two years ago, but I actually only saw her twice two years ago. And I've only seen her twice now, like in the recent few weeks. So let's see if I can stick with it. Um, It's hard. There's definitely a barrier to entry to speaking to someone. Um, But that's a whole other story. So I, I come to my therapist and she has this really annoying way of like slowly feeding me back the things I'm saying. I'm like trying to unpack so many things that I've got going on. It's like 200 bucks an hour. I'm, I get so pissed when she's trying to slowly feed me back things. And I'm like, can you just <laughs> keep up with me? But always when she does that, actually, I'm, you know, I'm in the moment. I'm like, actually, this is valuable. You know, she's slowing it down. I'm actually getting to hear the things I'm saying. And I told her, and, and, you know, we unpacked a little bit this guilt and I'm like, I'm scared. You know, I feel, I put a pressure on myself and I feel guilty when I'm not up to providing things up to my standard. You know, it's a lot around my work. It's a lot around my service. I do so many things. And, you know, when I had all my PTSD and everything come up a few years ago, work was, you know, what made it explode and having issues, you know, with my offerings and with some problematic people that kind of came through and having all of that circumstance be really triggering for me. Um, you know, and I'm like feeling guilty and I'm, I'm worried and I've got a pressure and this is where I was actually starting to feel anxiety. Um, and she was like, yeah, so wow. Um, like when, when was the first, can you think of the first time when you felt or got feedback that you're a bad person? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't say I think I'm a bad person. I said, I'm feeling all this anxiety because I'm scared I'm going to be a bad person. I'm so worried that I might be perceived as or I might do something bad. I'm, you know, I was telling her, I was like, I've, I've felt in the past, you know, when I was in my 20s and in my teens, I was like really, really naughty. So I was just like a little bad girl and, you know, doing all of these naughty bad things all the time and like to be a rebel and like to see how, you know, we could push things and and stuff like that. And she was like, okay, so you actually even have an experience of, of being a bad person, you know, so it kind of makes sense that you're, um, 
you know, worried that you might like be like that again or relapse into that. I was like, yeah, okay, fair. And then like at least one other time she was like, yeah, because, you know, you're scared that you, you, she's like, because you're, because you believe you're a bad person. I was like, I don't believe I'm a bad person. Like I'm so clear and connected to what a beautiful person I am. Like I know all, I, I really believe all my understanding is definitely that I am a good person. So, you know, I left, I felt, you know, grateful and good for being able to unpack those things. And then the next morning I was laying in my bed in the morning, um, doing my morning practice. I've got air quotes here now, um, doing my morning practice of just, I was just laying in my bed. And if I lay in my bed in a certain angle, when I look out the window, all I can see is leaves, branches, and trees. And I've got a favorite branch that I was like staring at. And kind of just contemplating and running through and just feeling this feeling, just like allowed myself to feel it right at my center of this badness. And right away, I just realized or, you know, it just, it came as a sudden flash. I was like, I do believe at the center of my sense of self, at the center of my person. I believe that I am a bad person. And I've been studying developmental trauma for a while now. And I'm, you know, I'm feeling this at my center. I'm feeling that acceptance, like all of this is happening in like a flash, but I just want to unpack for you the kind of process that I went through in that moment of, and before and after that realization that I believe I am a bad person and how a belief and a thought like that can come into place and to be there, um, nestled in at the very center of our sense of self and, you know, who we take ourselves to be the foundation of that and be so implicit and so unconscious that I'm able to, you know, hate my therapist and, and deny that thought and, and, you know, happy to defend that. And I'm completely not someone to be in denial. And I'm pretty careful to choose what I would even ever defend. And here I am kind of defending against that thought. And how could that come into place and be here in my body? So when we are developing, when we are children, when we are infants, we are 100% dependent on our caregivers. And we're like that for a long time. We're like that for many, many years. You know, a, a young baby cannot be left alone for like 30 seconds or it'll just roll on its face and stop breathing. You know, we're so dependent on our caregivers. So as we're developing, you know, before we get thoughts, before we get a, a sense of self, before we even differentiate ourselves from the environment, we are developing as young children. And the only thing that we need to focus on or are our primary motive and our primary responsibility and capacity as a very, very young child developing in the world. Our priority is our attachment bond to our caregivers. And 
we can't defend ourselves in any way. So the only thing that we can do and that we have to do at all costs is to defend and protect and maintain that attachment bond with our caregivers. So, you know, we can express our needs in certain ways um, in order to get our caregivers' attention, but if we don't get that need met, we actually have to consider that it's something wrong with us and not the caregiver because we can't even conceive that the caregiver could be incapable or um, not good in any way because we're 100% dependent. So our only mode of operation is to consider that our caregivers are 100% good at all times and that we need to be attached to them. So something that happens as we experience, as a young child, we experience a lot of environmental failures. There are many times and many circumstances where the environment fails us and we don't get what we need. So we have certain needs, you know, not too many, but we have our basic needs, you know, love and affection, nurturing food, air, water, um, and maybe to relieve any discomfort that the body, you know, little bodies might have. Those are our needs. And if any of those needs are, you know, there's a failure for our environment to provide them to us, there's no capacity for that growing being to blame the environment for the failure and to think of itself as good. The only kind of response, and this is developed as a survival strategy, but the only response that a child can have is that the environment is good and I'm bad. And there are so many ways, even if you have the best parents in the world, there are so many ways that the environment fails children at a young age. And the, the problem, the bad part, is that it's kind of chronic. So it's continuously the child is not having its needs met, its essential needs. We definitely, as a child, we get our needs met of like food and um shelter most children, right? Not even all children, most children, children that are listening to this podcast probably as adults now have received basic needs. You know, they got food most of the time, they got shelter and water most of the time, and even then not all the time, but some of the other really core needs that um, the nurturing and the attachment and the love and the play and the expression and the creativity and the discharge and the community that the child also has as, as primary needs are not delivered. So an internal sense of badness, which is actually a survival strategy to protect the, protect the attachment relationship, starts to develop at the center of the developing personality or the center of the developing self-image. So as the child grows up, it starts to differentiate, you know, from the age of one and a half to the child starts to differentiate itself from the environment, believing itself to be different from everyone else and developing an individual sense of self, which in spirituality, we try to undermine in, in different ways as well. Um, but from a psychological standpoint, we actually want to clarify and, and clear up and make 
more beneficial our sense of individual self because what is at the sense of our individual self for most people i would dare to say every single person is a sense of badness it was a good idea as a child to believe that we're a bad person and one of my trauma trainings actually goes as far to say as that it's an um, survival strategy biologically We've developed a survival strategy to develop a sense of self-hatred when the environment fails us. Because if we can hate ourselves, that's no problem for a developing child to hate itself, but to completely love its environment and its parents and to have all the trust, all the hope, and have all of its energy geared towards that attachment relationship. The problem is that when we're adults, we have probably this dysfunction and this faulty thought and this really problematic thought of I'm not a good person I'm bad having that at the center of ourselves and that's why I said it's really nice to have our personal reflection but it's also really nice to have things like psychoeducation and and perspective and information from the outside so that we can evaluate for that for ourselves a little bit that when we're having emotions coming from out of the body that make us feel like something isn't right or that we might be doing something wrong, what we right away do is we'll then create a story about it. So we'll allow that feeling to arise and we'll immediately go into whatever plausible story, whatever is coming up, whatever narrative. But actually what is Another way, something that I found to be really beneficial is to actually see, feel whatever is coming up in the body and to actually start to consider how this might have come into place a long time ago before whatever story is happening now. And this is the whole spiritual, the point of spirituality, right? It's always trying to mitigate these the suffering that the human being has due to, you know, psychological misdevelopment, really. And it always, spirituality always tells us you can change the circumstances, but you'll, wherever you go, there you are. Everywhere I go, there I am with my same internal conflict. So instead of going to the story about what's happening in my life right now that's causing this, which is also beneficial for sure, another approach and I, I recommend to take take it from all angles and the thing is is the more that you do this work you and the more you take different angles the more that when something arises you see which angle feels more aligned to take and sometimes it feels more aligned to just feel that this has come into place at a different time as a survival strategy it's no longer serving me it's come from an inherent sense of badness that I don't actually believe at all anymore and it came you know it's it's a dysregulation actually it's not part of how my body is supposed to be functioning and my emotions are supposed to be functioning it's actually a faulty piece of um hardwiring that has come place because it's hardwired into our nervous system and our bodies and our emotions it's just arising out of out of itself So very rarely is it actually a good idea to question our emotions. It's good to question our thoughts and to feel our emotions. 
But sometimes it is good to question the emotions a little bit, especially if we've felt them all the way to the bottom. So that was a bit of a, a real breakthrough for me psychologically to really realize that at the root of a lot of psychological stories and even um, emotions that come up, there is a root misunderstanding that, and I do believe I'm a bad person. And I still do to this day believe that I'm a bad person. And yet that's so liberating to know that I'm not actually a bad person, but there is, there's a hardwiring in there that came from a time and I didn't choose it, but I can see it now and that offers a bit more clarity. So I understand there's a lot in this discussion here, more than happy to, um, to chat about any of your thoughts. You can always just drop me a line on social media. Avarani underscore is my name um, on a lot of platforms. Otherwise, find us in the Facebook group, Functional Spirituality. Um, I post other kind of tidbits and stories in there, and often we do free trainings there as well. Um, but I actually created that group for any kind of discussions around podcast material. So would love to hear your thoughts, would love to hear if you have listened, and I look forward to continuing this discussion forevermore as we unpack the limitations to our functionality.